Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Listener discretion is advised, as this content is intended for adult audiences only. Hidden Signal Q-Code presents Hidden Signal, Echoes. Taylor? Taylor turned away from the waiting room's TV screen. It had been playing the same ad on a loop. The same batch of carefully curated clips she'd seen on billboards and during commercial breaks every time she went on YouTube. Each clip showed two people, sitting in chairs, facing each other. One person always looked modern, familiar, while the other was dressed in some striking historical getup. A chic young rocker chick and an elderly Renaissance noblewoman. A nerdy guy who looked like he worked in IT, sitting with a stocky middle-aged man from the Tokugawa shogunate. They always ended with the clip of the guy descended from Shakespeare, chatting with his ancestor. Each clip showed laughing, smiles, all set to heartwarming music. Taylor suspected most meetings were more awkward than that. She also couldn't help but get sucked in by the screen as soon as she sat down in front of it. Now, though, a technician in a white smock beckoned her from the door. We're ready for you. Taylor stood and followed the technician. She glanced around as they moved down the corridor. She'd been expecting some coldly gleaming white lab, but everything was decorated in soft light and muted pastels. The conference room was small and cozy, two soft armchairs with a coffee table between them. On that table, a vase full of flowers. You had to look close to notice the holographic equipment tucked discreetly at the base of the vase. People wanted to be able to ignore the technology of it all, Taylor supposed. The technician gestured for Taylor to sit in one of the armchairs and started clipping small electrodes to her fingertips. I'm just going to walk you through the procedure so you know what to expect, the technician said. Taylor nodded even though she'd already read the website and the brochures and the Reddit threads from other people who'd been through it. Your ancestors' memories and personality are imprinted on your DNA. Once we start the procedure, your ancestor will be visible on that chair over there. She won't have any kind of physical form or existence outside of this room. And you can stop the procedure at any time by disconnecting this clip. The technician ran through it in a monotone, a speech she'd given a million times. But for as long as you like, you'll be able to see, hear, and converse with your... Her eyebrow raised. Great-great-grandmother. Interesting. Is it? Taylor asked. 
She suppressed a sigh. She'd hoped she wouldn't have to get into this again. Well, it's just people usually want to talk to an immediate relative, you know, a mother or a father, or they want to go as far back as possible, which is about 14 generations for most. Any particular reason for wanting to meet her? There it was. Taylor forced a smile. She's the most famous person in our family. Millie Donnelly. The tech's eyes widened in recognition. Even people with no taste for true crime or the terrible movie adaptation of the story knew Bloody Millie. Taylor had once run across a podcast episode counting down favorite female murderers. They'd put Millie third, just after Elizabeth Bathory and just above Rosemary West. Wow, that's very brave of you. Taylor sat back in the chair and shrugged. Not really. A descendant of one of the victims is covering my costs. He has some questions he wants me to ask. She didn't mention the fee he'd thrown in on top of it, the one that would wipe out her student loans in an instant. Truth and reconciliation is definitely one of the reasons people seek out our services, the tech said, back on familiar company line ground. She tapped on her tablet. Ancestors sometimes experience confusion or anxiety when they're activated. It's very common. And the most important thing to remember is that they can't hurt you. She passed Taylor a sheet of paper. Ancestors from more than one or two generations back don't have any understanding of epigenetics, so here's some recommended narratives that will be more consistent with her cultural context, if you want to try to explain the situation to her. Taylor skimmed the page, even though she'd already read the suggestions online. My name is blank. I am your descendant. Don't be afraid. Your spirit has been awakened so that we may commune through the veil. Taylor snorted. They buy this stuff? Well, it's not as though it's a lie. Spirit is just another word for consciousness. And she is being awakened to commune with you. Sure. Keep telling yourself that. Got it. Are you ready? Taylor nodded, and the tech left the room. Taylor sat back in her seat, took a deep breath, watched the chair opposite the table. For a minute or two, nothing happened. Then, a low hum began emanating from the holographic equipment hidden by the vase. Taylor's hands tensed, her fingertips digging into the clips, as a woman's shape emerged in the chair. She had a round face, with freckled skin and deep creases around her mouth. Curly, gray, streaked red hair tumbled over her shoulders. Taylor knew she had been only in her mid-thirties on the day of her execution. But she seemed older here, tired. Millie blinked her deep blue eyes. Taylor startled. Those eyes reminded her of mom, of grandma. Where am I? Millie asked, 
Her voice came out low, husky. Taylor realized she'd imagine her voice as a deranged shriek. My name is, uh, my name is Taylor. I'm your descendant. I've, I've revived your spirit so that we can commune through the, uh, the veil. Millie's eyes narrowed. She folded her work-roughened hands in her lap. That sounds like absolute horseshit. Taylor let out an involuntary bark of laughter. Sorry, I agree. She thought about trying one of the other suggested narratives on the printout and decided against it. Well, let's try honesty. Taylor leaned forward, held up her hands so Millie could see the clips. I am actually your descendant. It's been about 160 years since you died. Well, since you were executed. She watched Millie's face as she spoke. Nothing. Not even on the word execution. I'm speaking to you with the help of a technology that, well... <laughs> To be totally honest, I live in this time, and I don't even get it. But basically, scientists figured out this thing called epigenetics. Sometimes they call it genetic memory, which pretty much means you imprint your memories and stuff on genes before you pass them on to your kids. They've known about it for a while, they used to think it was just survival stuff, like your grandmother survives a famine, you eat more because you know deep down how it feels to starve. But it turns out, it's more than that. It's whole lives, entire lifetimes worth of memories. And this company figured out how to wake them up. So we can meet you. Talk. I see. But I'm not flesh. Millie held up her hands, passed them through the coffee table. No, you're a projection. Kind of like, did they have film projectors back then? Movies? Probably not. <laughs> like a shadow puppet? I guess. Millie folded her formless hands in her lap. So, I suppose you have some motive for this resurrection. Yeah, I, uh... <laughs> now that the time had come, the hard question seemed to stick in Taylor's throat. You're kind of famous, you know. Infamous. People go on bloody... Millie tours in Philadelphia to see all the sites where your victims were killed. My victims. Her lips pressed into a thin, pale line. Yeah. Taylor shifted in her seat. Your last victim, Edwin Dieter, has a living descendant, a great-great-grandson, asked me to come here to ask about Edwin. He wants to know what happened on the night Edwin died. 
He said it would help bring closure to the family. Millie's eyes widened. There was no guilt there, no shame, but something more calculating. Edwin Dieter's descendant asked you to come here, she said, softly, as though working through some new thought. Yep. So, do you want to tell me about him? Millie said nothing for a moment, just stared off into space, thinking. Do many people do this? This resurrection? Yeah. It's been big for a couple of years now. Taylor wondered if she should try to get Millie back on track. But something told her to let this play out. I suppose, if people have found a way to speak to the dead, secrets have come out. Scandals. Things people would prefer for the world not to know about their families. Sure, that's happened a lot, Taylor said. She thought about the most recent scandals, the ones that popped up on her newsfeed every once in a while, the woman who had proved that her grandmother had been the mistress of a U.S. president, previously thought to be scrupulously faithful to his wife, the man who had used the system to identify the Zodiac killer, the woman who had found out her great-grandfather had been a concentration camp guard. I know there have been some lawsuits because of it, and there's a case in the courts now— trying to decide if genetic echoes can be witnesses in court. That's what they call you, by the way. Echoes. Millie gave her a sober nod, as though this confirmed her worst fears. People must fear what could come out. If the wrong person speaks to the wrong forebear. Okay. Millie, what are you getting at? Taylor asked. Her palms were starting to sweat. Something about Millie's questions making her uneasy. I wasn't a murderer. Edwin Dieter was. Taylor said nothing for a moment. She'd known this was a possibility. That Millie would choose to lie to her. Three people walked in on you stabbing Edwin with a fountain pen. You stabbed him 30 times. I killed him. But I wasn't a murderer. I killed him because I found out what he'd done to the others. He was a monster. A maniac. He killed for the fun of it. For sport. She shrugged. He got careless around me, let something slip. I was just a maid, after all. I barely existed, as far as he was concerned. But that made it easy to follow him, to see what he'd done. Taylor sighed. 
Like 15 witnesses linked you to the other victims, his family paid them off. I'd killed him, and they all must have had their suspicions. But they wanted to be sure no one else ever knew the truth. Once I swung, <laughs> they must have thought they were safe. Now, though, I imagine those descendants must be thinking about those suspicions again, those fears. They must wonder what happens if the truth comes out. <laughs> that seems pretty far-fetched. Even as she spoke the words, though, doubt gnawed at her stomach. Millie looked her right in the eye, sounded so composed, so convincing. Because she's a fucking psychopath who murdered a dozen innocent people, Taylor reminded herself. Still, tell me what happened that night with Edwin, she said at last. I went to his office. I'd seen him take something from the woman he'd killed the night before. A silver clatter ring. I knew I would need proof if I went to the police as powerful as he was. So I went to his office looking for his trophies. I found them hidden behind books in his bookshelf. I was just about to take them when he found me. She grimaced. He knew I'd found him out. I tried to run, but he grabbed me, got his hands about my throat. We fell back on the desk and I picked up his fountain pen. I started stabbing him, and I didn't stop until they pulled me off the body. She looked down at her hands. I was with child at the time. All I thought, as I stabbed him, was that I needed to stay alive for that little girl. She paused. Was it a girl? I don't remember giving birth. Yeah. My grandmother. You gave birth in prison. And then your sister raised her. Good. That's good. For just a moment, her eyes seemed to glint with tears. Then she blinked and cleared her throat, and they were gone. What will you do, now that you know the truth? I... I guess I'll tell Edwin's descendant. He said he wanted to know what you had to say. So I'll tell him. Don't. Millie shook her head. Don't go to him. Families like that? Even after generations, they hide their secrets. Taylor laughed. What, you think he'll hurt me? Millie, this time is really different. I don't think you have me in your blood, don't you? 
My memories, my instincts. That's what your scientists say, isn't it? Millie asked. She reached forward, as though to take Taylor's hand, hesitating just before it passed through her fingers, like mist. Use them. The memories. I don't know if the genetic memory thing works that way. We're not, like, conscious of it or try. I knew how to recognize a dangerous man when I saw one. I knew how to fight. You'll need that if you insist on speaking with this man. She held Taylor's gaze, some wild intensity behind her eyes. Taylor wanted to look away, but found herself stuck, unable to say anything under that stare. I, okay, but I don't think you have anything to worry about. Hmm. Melly nodded. Come see me again, if you want to know more. I might do that, Taylor said. She meant it. She'd been sure this was a one-time thing, just enough to get the payment from Jared Dieter. But now... It was all too easy to imagine sitting here and letting Millie tell her about her life. In the meantime, thank you for talking to me. Godspeed, Millie said. Taylor removed the clip from her finger, and Millie vanished. Even though she'd been prepared for it, Taylor found herself staring at the empty space Millie had occupied. She could almost believe that Millie was still here somehow, invisible, watching her. She shook off the eerie feeling, stood, and left the conference room. She had just enough time to make her meeting with the Dieter family. Come in, come in, have a seat. Jared Dieter smiled and waved her toward the immaculate white sofa set in the middle of the spacious loft. Taylor hesitated in the doorway. Are your sisters and dad here yet? You said they wanted to hear about it too. Jared gave her an apologetic smile. His teeth were a little too perfect to be real, gleaming and white against his bronzed skin. I'm sorry. They decided against it. It's a traumatic topic, even after all these generations, so they decided they'd rather just hear about it from me. Later. Got it. Taylor made her way to the sofa and perched on one end, set her backpack on the ground. She'd been dreading a room full of family members staring at her as she repeated Millie's strange tale. But now, she realized that being alone in an apartment with a man she'd only met once added an entirely different variety of tension to the encounter. Jared placed a glass of water on the coffee table in front of her and sat on the other end of the couch. 
He leaned forward and made intent eye contact, a pose that said, I'm an active listener. Taylor supposed that must come in handy at the board meetings. So, tell me about Millie, he said. Well, Taylor steeled herself. I don't really know what to make of her story, but here's what she had to say. She went through the whole account. Millie's claims about Edwin Dieter, the night he died. All of it. As she spoke, Jared's expression grew more incredulous, his eyebrows lifting toward his hairline. Something about it made Taylor's stomach twist. It was too much. Artificial. Someone play-acting an I'm-so-shocked look. Millie's just got you paranoid, she told herself. Anyway, <laughs> that's what Millie had to say. Jared let out a little laugh. Well, <laughs> that's something. I hope you aren't offended if I say I don't believe her. Oh, I don't either. Even as she said it, Taylor wondered if it was true. I mean, it would be one thing if she pointed to any evidence, but, well, there's the trophies, I guess. If she's telling the truth and the trophies from the victims were in the house, they're probably gone by now, I guess. But that's what I'd look for. Jared's smile stayed in place, but his eyes went cold. I guess so, he said after a moment. Get out now. It was almost like a voice in Taylor's ear, a jolt of instinct so sharp she nearly jumped. She forced a smile. I better get going. Sorry, Millie wasn't more forthcoming. I can always try her again, if you like. No. No, I think I got what I need. Jared said as Taylor stood. She hefted her bag over her shoulder. Bye. She was three steps past the couch before he spoke. Taylor? Yes? She stopped and turned. Jared was standing now, too close, looking down at her with an odd expression. My family does a lot of good, you know. We help a lot of people, more people than we've hurt. I'm sure that's true. Something in his eyes made Taylor's knees shake. I better... A lot of people depend on us. It's a lot of responsibility. He paused. I'm sorry. And then, before she could speak, he was on her, hands closing around her throat. Taylor panicked, clawing at his wrists, but he didn't even seem to feel it. Sparks filled her vision as his hands tightened. This is how I die, she thought. Then, through the sparks, through the darkness clouding the edges of the room, 
No. You still have a chance. Her vision drifted to his neck. The faint flutter of a pulse there. The jugular. At the same time, without her realizing she was doing it, her hand moved down to her backpack, to the side pocket where she always kept her pens. She found the one she was looking for, the thick blue metal pen, her favorite. It felt right in her hand. She lifted the pen and aimed straight for that fluttering pulse. It punctured exactly where she wanted it to. The blood jetted out exactly as she knew it would. The shock in his widening eyes was something she recognized. His hand slipped from around her throat and air rushed back into her lungs. Jared slid to the floor, clutching his own neck. He could not be allowed to live, Taylor thought with certainty. With men like this, you got only one chance. And so, as she knew she must, she knelt and she stabbed him again and again and again until he lay cold and still at her feet. Hidden Signal Echoes is narrated by Mara Schuster-Lefkowitz, written by Jamie Killen, directed by Lawrence Zanelli, executive produced by Rob Herding, Sandra Yi Ling, and Shin Yin Hee Yu. Co-producers Lawrence Zanelli, Sarah Ma, and Tom Breck. Original score and composition by Darren Johnson. Audio engineering and editing by Sarah Ma. Script supervisor, Tom Breck. Special thanks to Jack Friedman and Nick Shanks. This podcast was recorded under a SAG-AFTRA collective bargaining agreement. Hidden Signal is a Q-Code production. Sound recording copyright 2023 by Q-Code Media Inc. Welcome to a journey into the heart of the Texas Renaissance Festival, the nation's largest and rowdiest celebration of medieval fantasy. But what lurks beneath the facade of tights and turkey legs? Well, we dove deep into the empire to uncover a history marred by mystery and misconduct, murders, assaults, and other crimes that tarnish its legacy. This isn't just a fairy tale. It's a cautionary tale of power, fantasy, and the consequences that follow when they all collide. Search for Crime Waves Renaissance Texas on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. Everyone needs a break from the real world. That's why we played games as kids, and that's why we should play games as adults. I'm Troy Lavalley. And I'm Joe O'Brien. And back in 2015, we started a podcast called The Glass Cannon Podcast, a show made up of comedians and actors playing a fantasy role-playing game. And now is the perfect time to start listening because we just started a brand new story. It's basically Lord of the Rings meets Game of Thrones meets X-Files. Search for The Glass Cannon Podcast on your podcast app of choice. Hey, life is hard, so come play pretend with us.